The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty, proudly serving Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties. Call 407-790-9957 or visit WeSellOrlando.net. There you go. Okay. Now we're good. Now we're good. All right. Uh, <laughs> that's going on. That's going on the cold open. Um, yeah, right. Yeah. Do that before the drop. Yeah. All right. Here we go. <laughs> What's up, night fans? Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you on championship or conference championship game weekend sort of eve. Not really. Well, we're a few days. Solid setup there, Jeff. Yeah, that was that was pretty that was pretty solid. You know, well, I'm sorry. I was I was a little I was distracted by my uh, alliance of American football quarterback draft day following thing. Um, oh. Yeah. So, uh, so, yeah. so yeah, so so we, we've got two the uh, what do you call it the Orlando Apollos who are playing. Um, on uh, who are, who are playing in Spectrum Stadium? They've got they've got two quarterbacks. They're about to draft another one. So oh. yeah, they got four. It's a four round quarterback draft. That, that Justin Holman is one of the guys that they might have at their disposal. So we'll be following that. But that's not the news that we're going to be talking about. We have a stacked show for you. Um, we're going to recap the war on I four. We're going to talk about Mackenzie Milton's obviously devastating injury. That huge news from that. Um, you know what more can you say at least from this point and we're going to talk uh a little bit more about the uh, college football playoff rankings that just came out UCF um kind of sort of went up a little bit to number eight um we'll riff on that we'll preview Memphis once again Murph you had this fourth time in 15 months that these two teams will have played each other um which is pretty remarkable when you think about it yes um, Yes, I broke. I broke that story. Yeah, I broke that news. Yeah, you broke that. Yeah, I believe you had that. In the words of Tony Kornheiser, we'll also talk uh, hoops as uh, both men's and women's teams seem to have figured out some early season jitters. And we'll also talk UCF volleyball finishing up their uh, regular season and uh, going to the NCAA's and hosting the NCAA's for the first time in uh, program history and uh, and bringing quite a bit of talent to town as well to the venue this year so lots to talk about uh of course you can follow us at black and gold banneret.com uh I, we are ucf's uh home they're the home for ucf nights news on the sb nation network uh follow us on twitter at ucf underscore banneret personally we are at jeff underscore sharon eric lopez elo <coughs> excuse me oh boy and spokes wow. underscore murphy yeah it's been it's been quite the weekend. I got my I got my glass of water. We're good. We're all set to go. Look, we're all humans here. This is this is this is this is raw, uncut, and unfiltered. Just like you fans have always told us that you no like to. no editing no yeah, editing, no editing at one. all. Nope nope no sir. Um, okay, let's dive in. Um, we're on I four. Thirty-eight to ten UCF victory. That was the story. That was the story of the game, but it was not the story of the day. Uh, the story of the day was with um, about eleven minutes to go in the second quarter on a designed run on third down. Uh, Mackenzie Milton running to his right was hit low, and his knee basically was demolished. Um, no official well we we have had some news trickle out it was very, obviously we knew it was very bad when it was there but it's a it's a dislocation 
Um, and uh, obviously his season is over. His his entire football career may be over as far as we know. There's We're still at a very early point. He was taken to uh, Tampa General um, Hospital, which is the reason why they took him there as opposed to three the other three hospitals that were closer to Raymond James Stadium was um, that – that that's a trauma one unit. They are experienced in handling catastrophic injuries like that. Um, the uh, the word the late word is well, Murph. I know that you've been staying on top of it, especially today. Um, the uh, what is the latest right now on Mackenzie Milton's knee and and his just his overall health? Well, Teresa Milton, his mother, has been keeping uh, all of Night Nation updated through Twitter. Um, which we should all be thankful for. Again, yes. the, the family doesn't need to do that. They don't need to reach out to us. They can totally keep this very private and say to respect our wishes, which and to some extent they've done so as far as like no one should reach out to McKenzie you know, for interviews or anything. He's resting. But they have kept us updated over his health. Um, she said today that the, the blood flow in his knee has been restored. Um, certainly what, it, what had happened there was during the the injury – not only did he dislocate the knee and thus most likely tore multiple ligaments in his knee, um, he tore the artery. And so we know that both the, because of that, the blood flow was disrupted, and thus they had to do emergency surgery that night. We know he, we knew it was reported that night that he was in emergency surgery, and now we know why, um, because they said that he tore the artery. Yeah. Uh, and if you obviously don't stem that fast enough and you don't restore the blood flow fast enough, you're talking about possible amputation. Um, so anyway, uh, as far as that's been restored, she did, I think the newest piece of news that she, he, that she said is that McKenzie, uh, did suffer some type of nerve injury, nerve damage. The nerve around the knee is not severed. Um, but it is injured to what extent we don't know. It's just another hill that he's gonna have to climb in his, his rehab back, which is going to be, uh, long and arduous. And I, I don't know how many. Uh, months or years it's going to take it i mean there's just so many facets to the injury more than just this this the dislocated knee that he's have to come back from but uh, he is resting comfortably they've said he's in high spirits um he is you know thinking positively which we would not uh, uh be surprised at mckenzie's just you know a gamer i think you know uh, josh heupel has used the word warrior to describe him a few times this week and that's that's definitely true to what we know about mckenzie milton uh, we do also know that he will not be in attendance uh, for this Saturday's game. Uh, he would like to be. His mom said that he wanted to be, but doctors just think it would be, would be too risky for him to be there. Um, will, could he be involved in some way via the Spectrum Stadium scoreboard screen? Uh, possibly. I, I don't know. But uh, as of now, I think what's most important is that, um, you know, he, the, the doctor saved his leg. Yeah. Uh, he right now is is you know resting comfortably and healing. Uh, he has more surgeries to go through, um, but for now uh, they're they're out of the they're out, they're out of the woods as far as the most dangerous part of the injury. Yeah, that's the part that a lot of people I, I don't think quite understand. Like you know we, we've seen injuries like this before. Unfortunately, Zach Miller, I think the Chicago Bears first came to mind, and, the, and he had <clears> the exact same injury. Yeah. the exact same injury. And he's still, you know, I, I, obviously Miller's trying to make a comeback, but this is a, you know, I, I guess the good thing about this is, you know, Mackenzie Milton is a young guy in extremely good shape. 
um, mm. if if something this catastrophic, if anyone can recover from something this catastrophic, to whatever extent you can recover from, um, it's Mackenzie Milton. I know that uh, that uh, this was the update actually that came by. We're recording this on Tuesday night. This is the update that came down that you were talking about. It was initially shared by uh, Christian Brewey of WFTVs, um, and this is from Mark and Teresa Milton, Mackenzie's parents. Uh, quote, on behalf of our son, Mackenzie Milton, and our family, we want to thank the doctors and nurses at Tampa General Hospital and the University of South Florida and UCF medical staff and athletic trainers for their teamwork and prompt attention to Mackenzie's injuries. His blood flow has been restored to his right leg, and his nerve is injured but intact. So it's not the worst news in the world. Um, mm. He is recovering and healing and is receiving the best medical care. At a later time, he will have reconstructive surgery to repair his knee. That's sidebar. That's what you were talking about. Like the, the, the that's your that's, ligament damage. Yeah, that's the ligament damage. God knows what's also happened to some of the bones in his knee, like his patella. I mean, it's that that's that's a total mess. Um, mm-hmm. That date has not been uh, continuing the statement. That that date has not been determined at this time. Mackenzie and our entire family are so touched and grateful for the prayers, support, and well wishes. Mackenzie is in good spirits and has a very positive attitude. He looks forward to cheering on his teammates in their quest. For another conference championship this Saturday, at this time, McKenzie would like to maintain his privacy to get the proper rest, medical care, and healing before he grants any interviews. We appreciate everyone's understanding of this request. Night Nation is part of our Ohana, and we feel very blessed as a family. Aloha, Mark and Teresa Milton. So, you know, what more, at least at this point, can be said about McKenzie Milton, the, you know, to this point, to that moment? The Heisman, you know, potential, you know, outside shot of the Heisman candidate, but certainly, certainly a candidate. Um, uh, after a lengthy delay at the game, and after he was wheeled off the field, in comes Daryl Mack, who was, you know, obviously this. We talked about this before the ECU game, um, you know, where he came in and won the game. You know, it wasn't overly spectacular, but UCF won the game, did what he was asked to do. Um, he comes in and leads UCF to, uh, well, 31 of their 38 points. And uh, didn't have the most spectacular game in terms of numbers, but like we said, got the job done. So in comes Daryl Mack now to play in the uh, American Athletic Conference Championship game against the Memphis Tigers, who put a hurtin' on Houston at home uh, to win the West. Um this is a this is a whole different ball game that that Mac is stepping into, and Brian, based on your reporting and and what you've seen from the team to this point, their their confidence in Daryl is pretty high, is it not? Sure, uh, and again, this is always sort of the 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 word of you know. What, what else are they going to say? They're not confident in him. Of course, they're not going to say that. Well, so, sometimes um, but, you can hear like a little bit of couching in something in in statements like that. You know, like like you know, Daryl's Daryl will be ready on Saturday, and you can sometimes you can sense the doubt. But they, I, I, they, I, I, I sense that they feel that they feel pretty good about it. Yeah, I assume you could do that, but no, I mean everything has been very positive. I, you know, Daryl, uh, he's got all the physical tools, and sometimes. You know, in terms of the way he throws the ball, uh, it, it's just too much sometimes. Like when he's throwing these little slant cut throws where the receiver runs about four yards up and then slants, uh, he fires that thing in with 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 with, uh, with no regard. Yeah. Uh, just like he's full throttle all the time. Every, th- every throw he, he makes is full throttle. Um, I think that's one the one thing that, that he really needs to work on is touch and and sort of 
you know, that'll, that will help his accuracy. You know, he started out, I believe, two of 10 in that, in that UCF, in that USF game. Mm-hmm. And then they sort of, they sort of got him going by throwing these little like screen flares out wide for these, for these pickups, some, some, some like 10 yard, 13 yard pickups. And then he hits Nelson down the middle on a, on a, on a big uh, post route bomb. Um, but I, I think, you know, you'll see that from a lot from Daryl in this game is, you know, as far as when they when they have to pass, which I expect them will not be the majority of their play calls. They want to run when they can. But when they have to pass, they'll probably throw a lot of screens, a lot of flare outs, a lot of flats, um, easy completions, things that he can make. And then they will sprinkle in uh, four or five deep shots, things that are necessary to make this offense run. I mean, they're, they're going to continue to throw the ball downfield, whether he misses them or not. And I will say that a couple of the – uh, incompletions he had against USF. One was a, probably a drop by Gabe Davis, and one was really well defended. Uh, with the ball was right on the money down the sideline. I forgot who was the intended receiver, but uh, he it would have been like a forty yard gain. It was really well defended by the, by the DB who knocked it away. So his numbers probably look worse than they really were, they really are. We know he's raw as a passer. We know, but we also know what he can get done on the ground. He has all the physical tools and the size and the height to be a really good quarterback. I think if he just, as time goes by, again, he's a redshirt freshman. As time goes by and he develops, you know, sort of uh, uh, passing discipline with with how he delivers the ball, be a really, really good quarterback. I think people are freaking out too early, uh, you know, looking at his first two games against ECU and USF and saying that UCF is is not in good shape with Daryl Mack as the future of this program. I I really disagree with that. I think yeah. he's got he's a he's a true dual he's a true dual threat. And if he can just harness some of his like natural arm strength in on these little shorter routes, he can be very, very good. That sounds a lot like what they were saying about Mackenzie Milton when he was a freshman, and especially at the end of, of that season. You remember that, Elo? Yeah, I do. Uh, well, first of all, uh, certainly with the Mackenzie Milton injury, the USF game, a 28-point game win that feels like a loss. Uh, thoughts go out to the Milton family. Very unfortunate. That's the more uh, serious things. We take this stuff too, you know, sports too seriously. Those things put it into context. So we're going to talk about the rest of this podcast kind of more, you know, understanding obviously that it's not as important as what transpired with him. And we hope he's a speedy recovery. But, you know, to Murph's point about Mac, I do think I've seen, you know, and it's partly because he wears the number eight. There's been the Culpepper comparisons from a big, big, the fact that he's a big guy, you know, like mm-hmm. Culpepper was. So I actually kind of think of him more as a Culpepper type, not the, the with the accuracy of that Dante did. Not suggesting he's going to be anywhere near as good as Dante is, but uh, I do think Murph that the next two games will dictate what 2019 will look like. I feel like in some ways Mac is auditioning now, unfortunately. Uh, for the starting job in 2019, let because I think we all could safe assume that Mackenzie Milton will not be available. Let's just go with that; he will not be available in 2019. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I think the two games will I think will be an audition to him to see if he is the starter, or could also decide if and UCF might do this anyway. Anyway, go after a transfer, a graduate transfer or a transfer quarterback, because all of a sudden the quarterback position from a depth standpoint is uh, in question. Yeah. It's going to be hard to say. I mean, you can't. We don't even know what the situation might be in terms of you know who might be available. We don't know what's going to what's going to happen from there. But 
the depth situation, I, you know, obviously we've seen what um, Quadri Jones for one throw basically all year. Um, it, the, the thing that I think we're going to start to see now is, and obviously the case for UCF is going to be made by the running game. And, uh, you know, we saw Greg McRae and the job that he did against uh, – against South Florida, 181 yards and three touchdowns on 16 carries. He was just phenomenal. What a what a week for him once again. He just continues to blow expectations out of the water. Mm-hmm. Looking ahead to this Memphis game, I feel like this game might last two and a half hours because <laughs> we have you – know, I mean, we know what we're getting from, from Daryl Henderson and and Memphis. They they just when Ed Oliver, I watched that entire Houston game. When Ed Oliver came out of the game at halftime for Houston, um due to an injury. Um Memphis's MO was and Mike Norvell, they said, "Okay, you're not playing him. Okay. We are going to just we're, we're going to ram the ball down your throat. You know what's coming and you're not going to stop it." And that's exactly what they did. Um and now with Daryl Mack out there, as we saw against East Carolina, and as we saw in the South Florida game, the primary weapon is going to be running the football. Obviously, we know this is one of the better rushing teams in the country in UCF, but like now it's now it's just obvious. This is what you're going to get. Uh, and uh, it, you know, and let's give some credit also to Taj McGowan, seventy-two UCF rushed for almost four hundred yards against yeah. uh, against South Florida in this game. And threw for 167 uh, in total. But um, it's going to be, it, it, it might not look like your traditional sort of, uh, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust game, but this is what we're going to see. And like I said, you know, who knows? With the clock, it may, this game might last, you know, if we're running the ball a lot, this game might last two and a half hours. <laughs> Well, don't forget those ABC commercial breaks. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's true. The, <laughs> yeah, they'll make sure uh, it doesn't go two and a half hours. Yeah, right. No, but you're right. Like, we know what's coming on both sides. Like, yeah. UCF's going to have to run the ball a lot. Hypel has said, you know, this week that the playbook's wide open for Mac. Um, you know, that, that everything's available to him. I will say that, you know, back sure. when, <laughs> when he started. Yeah, right, exactly. I will, I'm will. i going to follow that up by saying back when uh, he started against uh, East Carolina, uh, Heibel did not say that. Heibel said, you know, there's things that have changed with Mac in the game, and, you know, certainly he doesn't, you know, can't run the full, you know, not that he couldn't run the full playbook, but they weren't going to call the full playbook for him. Um, so even though Heibel's going to say that that all the concepts and everything are available to him, uh, th- there is going to be a more limited game plan with Mac. It just wouldn't make sense otherwise. Right. Um, especially with his, with again, with, with his uh, negatives right now as a passer. Um, so yeah, you're gonna you're gonna run with 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 Greg McRae, Taj McGowan. They've done a really nice job of not running Adrian Killens through the middle of the line as much as they were through half the first half of the year. They've gotten him out in space more, and that's really helped. And they're gonna run Matt ten or ten or fifteen times in this game because he's six three two twenty or six three two thirty, and uh, and it's gonna be hard to stop him. And he's gonna pick up five yards just due to his size. Yeah. Um, so yeah, and then obviously everybody knows what Memphis is going to do. They're going to run Daryl Henderson, and hopefully that Brady White doesn't turn it over. He had two interceptions against Houston, uh, and if they do that against this defense in this stadium, which is going to be just uh, you know amped up and and emotionally revved up beyond belief, uh, those, you, you can't turn the ball over. You, I mean, really, it's going to come down to just turnovers and who can really run the ball better. Like those two things will decide this game. Full stop. 
Yeah. Well, I think one of the other things that's going to decide this game is it, it could be it could very well once again between these two squads come down to who has the ball last. Um, the uh, looking at Odd Shark, uh, the line opened up at seven quickly. It's been it was bet down very quickly, uh, and currently stands at three. Um, wow, 50, that's a lot of money on Memphis. That, that is, is a lot of money. Ton of money on Memphis. Fifty three percent of the money is on UCF. Fifty. Er, the over under. This is what I find interesting. The over under is sixty four and a half, and fifty three percent of that money is on the under. So well, that's, yeah, I mean a lot of that is the Milton injury. I mean yeah. the Milton injury yeah. has obviously played a big role. In this I do think this. I have. To, I think that this is going to come down to which quarterback can make plays because I have to believe that both defenses know that the other team's going to want to run the football. You know UCF, who I, I think is playing obviously better now than they did back when they were playing in October, missed a million tackles against Henderson. They're going to be geared up to stop Henderson and force Brady White to make plays. And I think if you're Memphis, if you remember in the first meeting, I thought Memphis, for the most part, out you know in the line of scrimmage defensively, had success against UCF's offensive line. Yeah. And I think, you know, can they slow down McCray and force Daryl Mack to make some plays with the pass? Um I got to be honest, you know, I've been normally Mr. Cocky. Hey, this is, you know, I had no questions about every UCF game and what I expected to happen. I really don't know what to expect here. I know a lot of people expect UCF to play with a lot of emotion. And, and you know, there's the whole theory there. We're going to play for Milton. And I think that's all true. And they could play their best game and blow out Memphis. I could also see a scenario where Mackenzie Milton's absence is shown. And Memphis, who, by the way, this is the fourth time these two teams are going to play there is the do factor, right? Is Memphis due to beat UCF? How many times can you beat a team in a you know two? How many days, Murph? <laughs> um, it's, it's a, yeah, it's been like it's, I think it's actually like four hundred and sixteen. It's not. It's it's not that much. It's not many days, right? And and, and yeah. right. well, I'll give and, and I'll it, give you one more. UCF yeah. has won uh, all eleven, or, or excuse me, let me, I'm pulling up the exact number because it keeps on changing every couple of weeks. It seems like. UCF has won 12 of the 13 meetings between these two squads, 12, including 12 in a row. Right. Um, the, the Memphis's only win in the series was back on was back in 1990. So that was when UCF was an FCS. Uh, yeah, that was a, back yeah, then. that was when uh, yeah, that was in the FCS uh, days. So, but but yeah, I, I look. We saw the game in October. Memphis probably feels they should have won that game. If you're in that locker room, probably. They, <laughs> they should have. They would probably tell you they should have won last year's title game. Yeah. Uh, we've discussed that. So now Milton is out. You know that that's going to give confidence to that team coming in here that there's no McKenzie Milton. So, you know, I, I, I'm i going to play the Jeff Sharon card here and says I'm concerned. I mean, I, I this is the first time all year I've been concerned about UCF because I don't know what to expect. And, you know, it's, you know, all the Milton motivation stuff is sounds good until the kick the ball is kicked off and then it's about executing right. and we don't know how these guys are going to execute we don't know how daryl Mack's going to execute in a, in a situation like this now the good news is i think all of a sudden that east carolina start even though it's east carolina i think looms big i think that's huge that he's gotten experience mm-hmm. and coming in relief in that south florida game he's not a guy that just all of a sudden is taking his first snap so i think that helps and i think the team does have confidence but uh, I uh, look. I mean, Mike Norvell and those guys—they're going to be ready to play. And I, this to me, I will. Bl- it's a toss-up. I could see any scenario you tell me happen, and I'll believe it. I looking at how this all shakes out. You know, twenty-four in a row for UCF at this point. 
I, I, my feeling on the game is, I think we're going to know what the result is going to be in the probably in the first few minutes. I think if UCF jumps jumps out and plays with that emotion that you that they have, um, that we're expecting, I, I don't see this playing out the same way that the first game earlier this season did. I I I, I think that we might see it go one way or the other. I think really quickly. I don't see a very back and forth sort of uh, sort of game here because of the amount of emotion that's riding on it. And like you said, Eric, you know, Memphis has a lot of emotion themselves, you know, that riding into this, that they feel like they, they shot themselves in the foot, uh, you know, back in the first meeting. What do you think, Murph? Yeah. I mean, I think I asked Mike, uh, Mike Norvell about this, like at the, uh, AAC media days back in August, I asked him, I'll, I'll have to go back and, and look at his answer. I mean, I think I asked him about, uh, you know, are your kids motivated or using that loss last year at the conversation game as motivation to get back there again this year. And at the time, I believe Norvell's answer was, was very sort of coach speak about, you know, well, it's a, it's a new season and, you know, things have changed and we've got to work to get back there by doing the little things and, and whatever, whatever, whatever. But now that they're back here and we get to talk to him on Friday when they have the coaches press conference, I'll have to ask again about like, again, can you say now, how much these past 365 days or whatever have have eaten at you and your team to, and, and motivated you to get back to this point that you're at now? And I'm sure the answer will be different because here they are. Right. Um, right. I, I I don't I don't think I, I don't think this will be a who scores first game. Uh, you know, turns the tide. I mean, I could see Memphis going up seven nothing, and then you know, as this UCF defense is wont to do. It just progressively plays better as the game goes on. It makes some stops. Daryl Mack hits and throws downfield. All of a sudden, the UCF running game is going as it was going in the second half against USF, and UCF works its way back into the game and, and whatever. So I think we're going to have – I do think it's going to be a close game. Uh, I don't think it'll be a field goal game if I had to – you know, you know, I don't know who I – don't, I don't know who's going to win, but it's, it's going to be by more than three, and – I think it's just gonna be a, it's gonna be a, it's gonna be a, a fun game, and no matter what, win you know win or lose, um, there are going to be tears. There are going to be tears yeah. on on both sides, but especially for UCF, win or lose, yeah. there will well, be do, tears. Yeah, and by the way, Jeff, I agree with you on this on this regard. If you're UCF, if you can jump on Memphis early, let's say they jump on them fourteen nothing, I do wonder if that gets into Memphis's head, right? Like this mm-hmm. team has gotten your number. And all of a sudden, you're feeling optimistic. Hey, they don't have their best player there. But then if UCF jumps on them and that crowd goes crazy, I don't think Memphis comes back like they did last year with Riley Ferguson. I just don't believe Brady White's very good at quarterback. I think Memphis melts down and they're like, here we go again. We're just, you know, we just can't beat these guys. So I think that's a valid point, Jeff, that to look for. If UCF could jump on them early and they get that crowd going, I don't think Memphis can b- bounce back from that psychologically. Uh, and that's the negative when you've been beaten down uh, the last, what? what is it, three straight meetings? Well, 12 straight. Well, I met the last three meetings with this group of players in the last uh, yeah. two years. I don't, yeah. think they're, I don't think they're too worried about 1990 or what happened with Will Stanback in 2013. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just, well, just me. Well, we are. But anyway, um, <laughs> kickoff is set for 3.30. Um, it will be on ABC. Bob with shoes and Brock Hewitt are doing the game for uh, and Allison ABC. Williams down and the sideline. Kind of a kind of a bummer though that um, 
Uh, this game is on a cross from the SEC championship between Georgia and Alabama. Yep. Um, yeah, that just that means nobody's going to be watching this UCF yeah. game. That's what that means. <laughs> well, unfortunately, well, not not nobody, but not not all that many. Um, unless if, unless of course ha- the game is close late and that game's a blowout. Right. What happens if like Alabama's up like thirty-one nothing and a half? That's not going to yeah. happen. But and what, if it's seventeen it seventeen, you know, between UCF yeah. and Memphis at half, then what? Then you might people get people tuning in. Well, maybe, but I mean, I will go on record and say uh, this will not be a, uh, this will be lower rated conference championship game compared to last year's. And way to put yourself know, out there on a limb, Eric. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, well, part of it here, by the way, for those that don't know, the reason this game's at three thirty is because the ABC this year has the rights to the Big Twelve championship game because they alternate with Fox, and so this year they got it. And they put the Big Twelve title game at noon, obviously to avoid going up against the SEC title game. So unfortunately for yeah. the American. Uh, they go in head to head against the SEC, and so that will hurt their numbers a little bit. And it's let's a be good honest, lead in though it's Texas against Oklahoma, so it is a good lead in. I will say this: it's not a terrible strategy for ABC, ESPN to put this game going up against SEC to have leverage as far as TV negotiations. So if you want to lower down the numbers, if you want to play the conspiracy theory. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Texas, Oklahoma, Alabama, Georgia, and conspiracies. Um, before we go to the break, we wanted to touch on this because, Eric, I know you're fired up. The uh, latest college football playoff rankings came out earlier, just before actually we recorded this show. Um, one through four is Alabama, Clemson, and Notre Dame. All three of them are 12-0. and 0. Um, Alabama and Clemson obviously have one more game to go. Notre Dame is done. Georgia jumps into the four spot at 11-1. and one. Uh, Oklahoma at 11-1 and one is fifth. Ohio State having dropped 62 points on Michigan, is sixth. Uh, They are playing in the Big Ten Championship um, as well against uh, Northwestern. Uh, That game will be Saturday night at 8 p.m. Northwestern is ranked number 21. Michigan, the team who gave up the 62 points, is at 10-2, and and they're ranked seventh. And right behind the 10-2 Michigan Wolverines are the 11-0 UCF Knights at number eight. Florida, interestingly enough, number nine. I yeah um I I mean I'm looking at this and like you know pretty much whatever I mean this the the narrative is officially set the goalposts keep getting moved I think that the commissioner actually said that you know when they when they asked him about Oklahoma actually giving up all the points that they give up you know remember that was one of the knocks on UCF that his point was well Oklahoma just finds a way to win football games they it just Whatever at this point, it's UCF is not going to get into the playoff. I don't think that there's. Hey, any, wait I, a minute! You know, I, I, I don't Murph, think that there's any. A, there, there's no. There, there's no. There's no reasonable. <laughs> no, it's. What? Go ahead. I'll go ahead. Wait, wait. I'm waiting for the. You were right, Elo. Damn, you called this from a mile away. Where is that? Give me the dap. Give no, me the dap. I'm, no, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna do that. But what I am gonna say is that uh, is that the. The college football playoff committee has constantly moved the goalposts on UCF. Right, if you so, go back so, and you right, look at well, the record. Hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm going to defend you look, them here for a second. At, if you look at what they've said, every time that they've knocked UCF, they've used that same argument to actually tout another team and vice versa. So, I mean, that, that's – and and now, and now, of so, course, now here's the other deal. Well, let me make this one point. Now here's the other deal. Right. Mackenzie Milton's not there. Yeah. So, with no Mackenzie Milton for UCF – you know, if you're if you're looking at the possible television matchups, what's the draw of putting UCF in the top four? 
Well, here's the better. No, no. This is the question you should be asked. Is UCF one of the four best teams without McKenzie Melton? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I hear you. That's the problem. uh, That's the problem here. This is, look, I'm going to defend the committee. Let me me put it to you this way. We don't know. I think we know the answer to that. We don't Uh, know the answer to that. Really? Really? Okay. Yeah. Considering that people even question whether they're one of the best four teams with McKenzie Melton, now you're throwing in a young kid like Mac. I think it's a very reasonable question to throw out there. Here's what I'm going to say, and and I'm going to give the I'm going to read off this tweet because this was the best tweet of the night. In fact, I recommend they follow this young man because this guy puts out nothing but fantastic tweets all day long, every day, really, when it comes to UCF content. Much more, he's the most sane guy I've seen on Twitter talk about UCF and it's definitely not me and it's not Jeff that's for sure and as I'm looking at this tweet here so here it goes here's the tweet it goes under so losing Milton one of the best players in the nation at the most important position in the sport has a one spot impact one spot one spot although UCF should take that as a sign of respect that was by spokes underscore Murphy <laughs> it's me hey they moved up to one spot, to eight, without their best player, a guy that many believe is one of the top three players in the history of the program. It's not like they dropped three or four spots. I think where they got, they, if you want to call it a punishment, or if Milton injury, is they had Michigan stay ahead of UCF. Now, you may have a problem with that, but here's the counter argument to that. Michigan lost to two teams in the top ten on the road, played a tougher schedule. Now, I'm going to ask you this question, Jeff, and I'm going to ask you this question, Murph, because this is the reaction that everybody always has on the social media. It's a conspiracy. It's a cartel, right? So everybody in UCF, every time this happens, well, Michigan's garbage. They gave up 60 points to Ohio State. Ohio State's garbage. Oklahoma's garbage uh, when they give up 100 points. So if Alabama loses this Saturday, they're garbage. They didn't beat anybody, right? That's the that's the reasoning. And then everybody says, well, UCF's not any good because they didn't play anybody. So my question to you, gentlemen, since everybody thinks that the committee has got this conspiracy They don't know what they're doing in this agenda. If all these teams that are ahead of UCF aren't any good, I'm going to start with UCF fans, and you both can represent that. Who's actually good in college football then? Tell me who's good. I don't don't accept the premise because we know these teams are good. Do we? Because the way everybody acts is like everybody's garbage. And I think that's the problem here. Well, that's that's not rational. I agree, but that's college football fans. They're not rational. I think I actually think the three of us are rational. I don't I respect what Michigan does. I respect Notre Dame. I have no issues with Ohio State, Oklahoma. These are all good teams. Are they the best teams of all time? No. I think UCF's really good too. Like I've argued with this Alabama fan on social media while we've been recording. It's idiotic to suggest that Al- UCF could not hang with Alabama last year within 30 points. I think that's asinine. But I also think it's un- I think it's unreasonable for UCF fans to suggest, well, we just lost our best player, maybe in the history of the program, if not top three, and to still expect people to, oh, yeah, we're still one of the four best teams there. What you're basically saying is we should be given the spot. Not that we necessarily are one of the four best teams. We should be given the spot because we haven't lost a game. But that's not the criteria here. That's not the criteria that the committee was set out to do. Their criteria – "Quote unquote" is the four best teams in their well, in their well, opinion. The the, the 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 criteria is that there is no criteria. They just Correct. pick the, they, they pick the, the they pick whichever four teams that they believe I, should but, be in it. That's I, I that's their and criteria. This, it, and and, and the, the whole thing, the, the fa- but here's the thing: the fans and the the fans argument is 
okay, if you go straight from, you know, through one through eight, okay? Yeah. Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame undefeated. If they all if they all win, they all get in. Okay? If you're trying to sneak UCF into the four spot, the fans are now I'm not saying that this is correct. I'm saying this is their argument. If Alabama wins, Georgia loses, they have two losses, bump them down. If Oklahoma loses to Texas, they'd have two losses, bump them down. If Ohio State loses to Northwestern, they have two losses, bump them down. And Michigan with two losses ahead of UCF is not there. You're going to put how many two-loss teams ahead of an undefeated UCF, or you could just have four undefeated teams and or, and find out okay. and find out and and let's and let's settle it on the field that well, way. Then, I, that, I understand what I'm saying is I understand the, the logic, but what I'm saying is the committee gives no craps about logic. Nor, well, no, that's not. But gee, no, that's your problem, though. Why should it be the four undefeated? By that theory, then you're to put the criterion. If you're undefeated, you're in the playoff no matter what. And then what happens is every team then schedules nobody. They'll play a bunch of FCS schools. I don't think it's this is you the mean problem. like what we Alabama obsess- does. <laughs> oh, see, there you go, Mr. Fan. Alabama beats nobody. They don't play anybody. They're overrated. No, they're, yeah. not, they're not. That's conference the same- schedule is a joke. So. Well, because Louisville went to – it's not their fault Louisville went to garbage. I mean, it's the same problem that UCF had. I mean, that's the deal. The difference is Alabama destroys every team, whereas UCF struggles against certain teams. That's the difference. Alabama has won every game by a billion points, and they have the best player in college football is going to be the unanimous Heisman Trophy winner. I mean, I'm sorry. That's the way it goes. Here's the thing. They're, you're right. There is no criteria. So you know what? The committee is – no matter what they do, they're going to piss people off. If they put UCF in, people are going to say, how can you reward a team that plays nobody? If you put in Oklahoma, how can you put in a team that plays no defense? If they put Ohio State in, how can you put a team in that lost by 29 to Purdue? No matter what they do, they're going to get criticized and they're going to get ridiculed. There's no right answer until you actually put an actual criteria into this logic. Otherwise, it's – but it's not their decision. I mean, it's not their decision per se. It's the the whole deal. I think – and Joe Klatt tweeted about this on Tuesday night – I think we're, we're going to – this is going to change in the next TV contract because if you've noticed this week, a lot of the media people, a lot of people are starting to ridicule the importance of the conference championship game. And the example is Georgia. This is why that whole logic about if everybody you – know, the chaos theory that you just brought up, UCF still would have no chance because a lot of people yeah, have actually – put Georgia in anyway. Correct. Why? Because Georgia's playing Alabama this week, whereas UCF's not playing Alabama – Clemson's not, Ohio State's not, because of this stupid division alike crap where you have two divisions that are not divided. Pittsburgh's not the second best team in the ACC. That's a whole of crap. They shouldn't, that's a, that's a joke. And the fact that Georgia's playing Alabama is a disadvantage to Georgia. That's why this thing is not at, it, completely balanced. So I think the conference championship games are going to be gone by 2026. And oh, I think no, you're going to get an 18 Oh, no, I, no, 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 no. The, okay. those, those games make way too much money. No, for the but networks I think and the conferences they are never going to get rid of those. But here, no, I disagree because I think TV's going to say, you know what? Those quarterfinal games will make a lot more money than that conference championship game because I don't think t- I don't think the the schools will ever add an extra game, and but I think there could be a compromise, and that sure might be your will. compromise. <laughs> sure they well, will. Man, <laughs> if I, you pay I, them I, enough, they will find an extra. Well, that's that was the same well, argument man, that they made about the playoff anyway. Oh, you're adding yeah, an extra game. No, 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 no. You're not adding an extra game. You're only adding an extra game for two teams. 
Well, I'm mean, just saying there's <laughs> flexibility. They can negotiate it. I wouldn't shock me if they got rid of the conference championship games because I think what you're going to start seeing is less and less importance being put in conference championship games. We already see that with Alabama. Alabama is going to be in this playoff whether they win this week or lose by 20 just like they weren't in the conference championship game last year. You made my point. I think if Georgia loses by six, and let's say Oklahoma and Ohio State loses, Georgia's going to be in. So, And I think you're going to see less and less importance in these conference championship games, and I think there's going to be a lot of uh, people trying to eliminate conference championship games if that's what it takes to get to 18 playoff. But that's a whole other story with that. But I don't think it's an insult just because they have UCF outside without Mackenzie Milton. I don't think that's a conspiracy theory. That's what they believe. They believe Michigan is better at this point than UCF without Mackenzie Milton. And unfortunately, that's the way it is. At the end of the day, the only rankings that matter in this thing is who's number one, who's number two, who's three, and who's four. Nobody really cares who's five or six, you know, three months from now. Uh, but that's the system that it is, and I don't know why people keep getting sucked into this. Ironically, Jeff, I do think if UCF had last year's resume instead of this year's resume, I think UCF actually would be in the top six right now. Well, I don't know. Maybe. And I think, I would... because, because I do think this year's committee has actually been more respectful to UCF than last year's committee. You know, you know who brought up a good point was our, our friend down at CBS, Matt Brodsky. He said, let's look at the top eight. Wouldn't it be fun to have in the first round Alabama against UCF, Clemson against Michigan, Ohio State, Notre Dame, and Georgia against Oklahoma, and then play it off from there? I would do you one better. Uh, I would have Alabama as the one seed as the SEC champion against Washington, the Pac-12 champion as the eighth seed. I would have Clemson as the two seed against UCF, the group of five champion as the seventh seed. I would have Notre Dame as the three seed. Well, I mean, play, I mean they, 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 I'm, I'm just talking about the top eight right now as it stands. But the top eight, who's to say that the top eight is that accurate? I mean, conference championships should matter. I mean, well, I the, the, well, you, you, the, well, you say the committee theory, thinks that it's pretty accurate, so let's go by what they say. Well, by the way, the BCS thinks that's, that, <laughs> that's accurate because that's what they have. The BCS the doesn't exist, by the way. But I'm just saying, no, there's some people that think that the BCS was, is better than this. That's no, I don't think – I don't, I don't, I don't I don't think that's true because you only had two teams, and that's this is but better, but not four. perfect. And I've right. said that before. Right. I, I, but anyway, let me go. Let me go. Let me go with Murph. Let me go with Murph. Yes, here, who is also here. Yeah. Yes. Do you, Hi. Brian Murphy, the <laughs> the, uh, the the um, the voice of cold hard reason uh, around here? Mm. Yes. Do yes. you see any? chaotic scenario that where somehow UCF could get into the number four slot because I don't know okay no but like but look but that's that that's that, that, that's not what we were arguing right I don't want to get into the argument because that my my ears <laughs> you're not interested <laughs> uh, I do want to go back about like 30 minutes ago and give a kind <laughs> and give context to something uh Eric, Eric, context is always of, badly needed. Yes, go ahead. I know, I know. I do want to give context because it's important. Eric referenced a tweet that I had written written about UCF getting uh, UCF and losing Milton that had a one spot impact. That that was my response to a person who said that the committee did factor in. He was assuming that the committee did factor in Milton's injury, and that if it wasn't if it wasn't for that, they'd be ranked seventh instead of eighth. And so that my response was more of a disbelief to that notion that 
that they factored it in and that the loss of McKenzie Milton, the a great player, one of the best players in the nation at the most important position in the sport, uh, had a one spot, one spot impact. I, I don't understand. That doesn't make sense to me that either, either the committee, you know, uh, loves Daryl Mack or they just love UCF on the whole, which again, like that's what I right. said, like UCF, UCF, UCF should take that as a compliment yes. because, because I, I honestly thought, I honestly thought, and I was not the only person who thought this because I talked to people all day today about what's going to happen to them. And I thought they were going to drop. I really did think they're going to drop because yep. we know the playoff, the committee takes injuries into account. Now, the CFP director, Bill Hancock, did say after the game on Friday that while they do take injuries into account, they do try to base it on how the injuries have affected the play on the field thus far and not predicting the future. So in that sense, this ranking kind of holds true to that <laughs> because they, they, they are basically looking at what UCF has done with Daryl Mack and not assuming that they'll and, – and, and, and kind of – rewarding them for the play that they've had with Mac on the field and not assuming that they are going to have the bottom fallout with Milton off the field. Um, so I was proven wrong. I thought they were going to drop. They did not, they did not drop, but to say that they should be seven and not, and they should be seven with Milton and they're not because he's hurt. I don't understand that. But back to your point, Jeffrey, this is all meaningless right. <laughs> because, because to, co- to quote uh, they, Andy Seeley, we are tilting at windmills here. I mean, really, I mean, I hate, I, I mean, I, I did rail a little bit tonight, which is very unlike me. I really, you know, I, but I, I think you finishing. should do more. I think this, I, th- th- no. I think you have a strong point here. No, it's stupid. No, it's just ridiculous. <laughs> no, it's, it's ridiculous to talk about rankings. Like, I, I, and I, someone, someone brought up a great point on Twitter that I didn't want to flesh out full wholeheartedly because I would have gone like, like a 40 tweet store, a 40 tweet string of, of just, a forty-string tweet, tweet, uh, whatever. I can't even talk. I can't even talk right now. He's so emotional. Hashtag, hashtag content, baby. I know, right? Someone <laughs> said, "Why do we let you know subjective humans on a committee make these decisions?" And I'm like, "Well, that goes to like that goes to like psychology and philosophy of human beings, and that's just too much. We can't go that far." <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's pretty good. But, but we can, but we, you know, what we can do is just like take it for what it is. They're gonna. If you win it, if you win today, if you, win, I said this, I said this as well on Twitter. If not today, if you win on Saturday, what day is it? If you win on Saturday and then they win the bowl game, we are right back to where we were with UCF after the Peach Bowl last year. Now, the national championship claim uh, probably won't hold as much water then if they, if they, if Danny White and company do do uh, want to claim back to back national champions because. Uh, they would not be the only undefeated team, most likely uh, left remaining. Certainly at that time, when you know we'll have at least pro- pro- probably three, and maybe two at that point. So who knows? But again, you just win the games you have in front of you. Whatever happens, happens. If UCF goes and plays Washington State, and, and or beats Washington State, or beats Florida, or beats LSU, or whatever, that's still going to be looked at as quite a feather in the cap. And then they'll come back and and try it again next year. And but. The system's not changing, not until 2024. Uh, I do not think at the earliest. Um, So, you know, just, I'm sorry. He's got to roll with it. And then humans are flawed. Humans are flawed, subjective people who who have biases that they don't even know about. People are awful. It it is what it is. (laughs) 
<laughs> that's well said. Actually, again, that's why I said follow him. That's why I said follow him on Twitter. That's the kind of content you get. Uh, real, real quick, too, because somebody tweeted. At, uh, I want to give credit here. UCF and Awesome tweeted out. Let's use the Ohio State argument. Please justify this for me as well. So now our second string can't be good enough. Because people have made the comparison to Ohio State in 2014 when JT Barrett got hurt in the Michigan game and Cardell Jones took over starting the Big Ten title game. And they got to they got into the playoff and they won the national title. Here's the big difference. That Ohio State team played the 13th ranked Wisconsin team in the Big Ten title game and won 59 to nothing and jumped TCU and Baylor, who the Big 12 couldn't decide who was the Big 12 champion because TCU was higher ranked, but Baylor beat head-to-head. So they went with Ohio State because they crushed the top 15 team with their backup quarterback. And, oh, by the way, had some guy named Ezekiel Elliott who and Joey Bosa and company on that team that was pretty good. The problem, and it goes back, and we keep kind of – it's kind of like the dog in the tail, whatever that – cliche is we keep kind of chasing the tail dog thank you murph that's why you're here the problem is if ucf was playing last year's memphis team this saturday i think they would have a legitimate shot to move up and even make the playoff under those kind of scenarios unfortunately they're not they're playing a four loss potentially five loss memphis team this saturday and that's what's going to keep ucf out whether people like it or accept it or not is the schedule does not work in their favor. And scene. We're going to call it right there. Um, hey. <laughs> um, <clears throat> all right. So, so again, 3.30 ABC UCF against Memphis. Uh, and uh, I will be there. Murphy will be there. Derek Warden will be there. I think I heard Eric Henry will be there, too, from Underdog Everybody's going to be there. It's Everybody's going to be there. It's going to be – it's a party, 40 man. 40 to 50. 40 to 50,000 Hawaiian Lays will be there. Yes. Okay, that was by the way, that's great. I thought that that was fantastic that they're that we're going to be wearing the Lays out there in uh um in uh, in honor of Mackenzie Milton and also we need to keep an eye on the attendance because as our own Luke Saris reported, if UCF draws for at least 45,180 fans, that would be um, th- that would set a new single-season average attendance record uh, for UCF football. That would that would eclipse the mark set uh, last year forty. Th- or, or excuse me, yeah, that would that would uh, that would eclipse the mark set in two thousand seven. I beg your pardon. The first year of the stadium, forty-four thousand and eighteen average. Uh, right now, UCF is averaging forty-three eight fifty-three. But if they get forty-five one eighty. They uh, set a new record this year for attendance at uh, Spectrum Stadium. So that'll be one thing. They're going to do that. You think so? I mean, it's over capacity if they do that. Wasn't uh, what was the the Cincinnati? I'm looking for the Cincinnati one right now. <clears throat> it was uh, that was the Cincinnati one is forty seven seven ninety five. Yeah, number two largest behind the Miami game. All yeah, that's true. Now, now, now remember the remember the actual capacity of the stadium is lower than it was. But they do sell, I think, standing room tickets. They do sell, yeah. They still standing room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so uh, so uh, it's a possibility. It's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I could see that. Don't you feel like the fans? Are, everybody's going to re- rally around this team. I don't think. There's yeah, any question there's about every that, reason. Right? I mean, yeah. there's. I mean, e- even if even if there was the sort of McKenzie Milton backdrop to it all, I would still say they're going to get probably forty-five thousand people in this thing. But with that, and just the emotions running so high, and obviously we'll need to we'll need to watch how this team handles its emotions early on. Are they too ramped up and do they play well to start because they're just, they're, you know, because they're so ramped up. 
But with all that said, and all this sort of backdrop and, and storylines to this game, they're going to hit 45 whatever. Yes. I mean, they'll hit 46. Yeah. One yeah. slight concern about this game, the right. weather. High, yeah. 80, high 80, low 67. It'll be windy, 11 miles an hour. 60% chance of rain. Afternoon showers are predicted. Last uh, I checked, last I checked, UCF did a decent job against Daryl Henderson in the rain. In fact, yeah, I Fair would argue point. that. I think that favors UCF. Saw mm-hmm. that. Really Murph on that. Yeah. By the way, this just in from Andrea Adelson on Twitter Tuesday night. Says she talked to American Conference people. The belief is, if UCF wins on Saturday against Memphis, they will be going to the Fiesta Bowl and not play Florida. Doesn't know who the opponent is. She would obviously like to see UCF Florida. That. But who knows? A lot of people I don't think it'll UCF be a team for the Southeast Conference at all. I don't think. Well, I, I, as I look at the rankings right now, if you assume chalk happens, let's go with chalk. I think UCF will play either LSU, Washington State, or Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. I agree. I don't see the UCF Florida thing happening. Uh, I think they're going to probably split those two teams into split, uh, bowl games with Florida probably going to the Peach Bowl at this point. Or, or maybe Oklahoma if they lose to Texas. Uh, possibly, possibly. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, that's a possibility too. So a lot of it depends on what the matchups. I agree with you. I think UCF will more than likely be in the Fiesta Bowl. And by the way, that's pretty bleeping awesome. All right, that's pretty bleeping awesome. Can we? Oh yeah. Can we just enjoy this? Like, why do we have to worry about a, a, a committee? In a ranking, oh, we're not number six. We're, we're about to, we're one win away from going to a second major bowl and playing another marquee team and have a chance to finish in the top five final polls for the first time in school history. Can people just you know just enjoy that and quit bleeping about things that don't have <laughs> any significance in the big picture? No. Coming up next, we have a little we have a little bit of uh, actually we'll have a little bit of news to pass along to you, and we'll talk some hoops. Uh, Murph will stick around for that. And we'll look at, uh, yeah, a little bit bit more for you as well. Uh, And we'll talk uh, UCF volleyball, making some history this coming week. Stick around. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is back after this. The Black and Gold Banneret Podcast is brought to you by Orlando Homes Express, brokered by EXP Realty. Sam Unger and his team at Orlando Homes Express proudly serve Orange, Seminole, and Lake Counties, specializing in buying, selling, and new construction. Sam is a very proud UCF graduate, class of 2006, and he's got a special deal going on right now for the 2018 UCF football season. Night fans, if you work with Sam to sell your home, he will list it for just 4.8% commission. And if you're buying a home with him, he will rebate you up to $750 at closing. So if you're ready to buy a new home or sell your current home, Upgrade or downsize, Sam and his team have you covered so you can find the right home at the right price in the right location. So give them a call right now at 407-790-9957. Again, that's 407-790-9957. Or visit them on the web at WeSellOrlando.net. Again, that's WeSellOrlando.net. You can also reach them on Facebook at Facebook.com slash We sell Orlando. Get in touch with the Orlando Homes Express today and make finding your dream home a reality. Hello, Night Nation. I'm Andrew Fegley. And I'm Trey Strelko. Um, uh, um, where are we? This isn't our usual spot. It looks like we've landed in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Oh, yeah. I've, I've heard of those guys. 
You know, Nightline has UCF Sports covered. Week in and week out, we bring you interviews with newsmakers and in-depth analysis of UCF Sports. Subscribe to our weekly podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe to Nightline on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Nightline. Trace, can we go back to the 1148 studios now and start working on our next all-new Nightline? How do we get out of here? Go Knights! Charge on! Now back to you guys in the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon with you here alongside Eric Lopez and Brian Murphy, blackandgoldbanneret.com. Uh, UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. Don't forget to uh, subscribe to our podcast on Google Play, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash blackandgoldbanneret. little late-breaking news tonight, boys. Uh, former UCF quarterback Justin Holman has been drafted by the Atlanta Legends of the Alliance of American Football in their quarterback draft. Uh, Holman will play for uh, his, uh, well, he's originally from the Atlanta area, so he will be playing alongside um, Aaron Murray, the former Georgia uh, quarterback, who also went in that draft as well. Um, the Orlando Apollos franchise, which will be playing this February at Spectrum Stadium, um, has a, a number of former UCF players on the roster. They had initially, uh, uh, Holman was initially part uh, regionally allocated to them, being a UCF graduate. However, um, in that sort of protector pick draft, he he was left unprotected by the Apollos. So he goes to um, Atlanta in the draft. Um your quarterbacks out there for uh, the Apollos, they actually drafted um, a guy who we are familiar with from the American Athletic Conference, Garrett Gilbert, uh, former Texas quarterback, former SMU quarterback, and they also drafted Stephen Morris, uh, the former quarterback from the University of Miami, to go along with uh, a number of other players, former UCF players, um, you know, non-quarterbacks who are already allocated to the team, which is head coached by Steve Spurrier. So, can we also point out that Justin Holman's offensive <laughs> coordinator now is Michael Vick? This is a true statement. That's a fact. And so his head coach is Brad Childress. <laughs> yeah. Which all I can think of is Brad Childress is is jets landing at airstrips in Minnesota <laughs> and having Brett Favre walk off the plane. That's all I can think of. When I think of Brad Childress. I think of that and little then, mini headset that he had. Remember that? Yeah. Kind of yeah. The, the Madonna headset. This is more about the Atlanta, Atlanta legends this podcast could possibly handle. I know. Atlanta legends and the Orlando Apollos coming at you. Um, all right. Let's uh, talk a little hoops. Men's basketball, Brian Murphy, they have figured it out. Um, since that, that really rough start that they had in the first two games where they – um, they won the game against Ryder, but like just looked a little, uh, you know, not really all that great. Um, and then the loss to FAU on the buzzer beater. Mm-hmm. The Knights are now receiving votes in the Associated Press um, and uh, coaches' polls. Since then, what have they done? Well, they've reeled off four consecutive wins. Or, excuse me, uh, yeah, no, that's right, four consecutive wins, sorry. Um, including, the, obviously, the three in a row that before Thanksgiving, but then they knocked off Northern Kentucky uh, on Saturday by 13 points, and they just kind of kind of smothered that Northern Kentucky team. 
Um, and they've uh, and they seem to have figured out the sort of the rotation a little bit um, with Allen and BJ Taylor in the backcourt. Aubrey Dawkins, Taco Fall, and Colin, Colin Smith actually um, got the start up front as well for UCF. But uh, you you wrote about it on Black and Gold Banneret. They have they they have seemed to have figured out the formula after those early season jitters. Yeah, I think that that game against FAU, the loss, which by the end, you know, I know FAU is, you know, has won some game sense and they're off to an early, nice early start. But I think once the season goes along, we're going to really see how bad that FAU loss is going to be because FAU should be a very terrible team this year. I'm sorry, <laughs> they just should be. Um, Thanks for the good news. Think, All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so um, I think what that game taught them is you can't take anything for granted. And I know it's sort of a cliche in sports. You got to play until the – you know, play till the final buzzer and whatever, whatever. But um, this is what happened. I mean, they they got up by 20 in the first half, uh, and, and FAU closed on them. Uh, they kind of held them off for a while and extended it back up to a 10 point lead, less than six to go. Um, but they didn't they didn't put them away. Uh, and I think they learned the lesson of you gotta you know gotta keep on it. You gotta put your put your foot down uh, for the entire 40 minutes. And I think we saw that at Myrtle Beach. They beat every team they faced. Uh, by at least 16 points, and they did not face some cupcakes. You know, Cal State Fullerton was a, was a tournament team last year. Uh, St. Joe's uh, is, is, is predicted to be the, a, a top two or three team in, in the Atlantic 10 this year. Uh, Western Kentucky uh, is expected to be a top two team in their conference. And I would say also Northern Kentucky, as UCF has sort of capitalized on the Kentuckys, except for actually Kentucky. Uh, Northern <laughs> Kentucky – uh, you know, was the regular season champion out of the Horizon League last year, returns all their starters from that team, uh, is expected to be, you know, first or second in that league again this year. And again, they, they, they dominated them in the second half. In that game, which was kind of close early on, UCF's defense was their, has been their calling card for the last two weeks. Uh, they, they, they smothered, like you said, they smothered Western Kentucky, kept them at 27% shooting in the second half of that game um, on Saturday. Uh, and you saw that all throughout the tournament in Myrtle Beach. And that's really what this team is, right? This team is, you know, play defense. And another thing this team is doing really well is, is finally starting. Uh, certainly you've seen that with Aubrey Dawkins, who uh, got hot uh, in, in the uh, Myrtle Beach Invitational. Uh, this is what this team is, you know, again, supposed to be. Uh, and, it's, you know, it's finally coming to fruition. Again, it's still early. We're not even at conference season yet. So, you know, in the end, this is more of a warm-up for conference play. But... What we've seen in the last four games out of this crew is exactly what we expect to see from this team, and it looks like a top 25 squad. Well, we're going to see two really good tests coming up, and they're both going to be on ESPNU. Thursday at 7 against Alabama at home, and we'll talk more about that in a second, and you'll, we'll understand why in a little bit. But uh, And then they go out to Columbia, Missouri, to play another SEC squad in the Missouri Tigers uh, Sunday, December 2nd at 3. So... Both of those games will be on ESPNU, and we're going to get a real good test against two, um, you know, pretty good um, power conference teams uh, coming up before they come back home again on uh, Saturday, December the eighth, as we roll through the non-conference. Uh, Can I schedule. at least say this about those two games? Both those teams, both those teams whom UCF faced last year, uh, are not as good as they were last year. Right. Uh, both. I mean, Colin Sexton is not on Alabama anymore. Even when UCF went to Alabama and won there last year, he's gone. And with Missouri, Michael Porter didn't play against them, but John Porter has 
brother, uh, he's not there either. He's out, for, he's out for the season with an injury. Missouri should be pretty awful this year. Yeah. Uh, Alabama's off to a decent start, but again, that team's not nearly as good as it was last year with Sexton. Don't go saying that. Hashtag P6 and all that. Um, <laughs> uh, let's well, talk- uh, here's the thing, Murph. Here's real quick, though. It's still good for the resume. You gotta right. get the, if you could get those wins, it looks oh, better yeah. on the resume. I mean, those yeah. are still good opportunities for the RPI and things like that. So, uh, I would still say, especially Alabama. I tend to agree with you on Missouri. I think Alabama is actually still going to be pretty good. I think they're going to be in the mix for the NCAA's. I don't know if they make it That'd or not. Decent, yeah, That'd yeah be so decent. I, and look, let's say UCF's on the bubble, and it's them against Alabama. You know, unlike football, they you know that could be the difference head to head. So, uh, we'll be keeping a close eye on that. We're also again, the start... committee isn't using. Oh yeah, Sorry. go ahead. <laughs> the, the committee isn't. The committee isn't using the RPI. They're using the net rankings. That's right. We, we we shouldn't even get in. Yeah, which we also don't know what makes them up <laughs> too, because so. that is a disaster right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, that is a disaster yeah, right now. So. Um, I wanted to. Uh, we also need to talk about women's basketball because they are five and one, uh, and they are three and one on the road. Interestingly enough, I've played a bunch of road games. They finally came back home over Thanksgiving weekend. Um, curb stomped Memphis, or excuse me, uh, Richmond, I should say, um, by twenty two points, uh, seventy to uh, forty eight, uh, and then came back and knocked off Villanova as well by fifteen. Um, a really good find for UCF this year has been Sydney McDonald. She has uh, shown herself to be a real good scoring threat uh, for UCF. Uh, you know, and and then in addition to that, KK Wright though, she has been truly remarkable for UCF. She had a twenty point, uh, nine rebounds, six assists game against Villanova. She, I, I think, right now, I, I, I know, I realize that UCF plays with UConn in the same conference, but I would put KK right up there as probably the best point guard in the conference right now, at least the way she's playing right now. She had 14, uh, five and five against, um, against Richmond as well in that, uh, in that game, um, to lead, uh, UCF, uh, in what was a pretty balanced attack. Um, this team just continues to get things done, uh, on the floor, particularly on the defensive end. Um, for the game, they held Richmond to just 34 points, or excuse me, 34 uh, percent from the field, um, and then uh, and then they followed that up um, in the Villanova game by holding them to 36 percent from the field while shooting 44. So, Coach Abe's team, they just continue to roll, man. Um, they uh, have Chattanooga coming up uh, on uh, Friday, November uh, the 30th. That game, by the way, has been moved up from. It was originally scheduled for seven at CFE Arena. That's been moved up to five. Um, and so we wanted to touch upon that and tell you to keep an eye on women's basketball because I think they're actually on the verge of having a pretty good year as we get ready to head yeah. get, get through the uh, the rest of the uh, of the non conference. Uh, well, let me let, let me back you up on that KK Wright comment. Last week she averaged twenty points, five boards, five assists. She set. He's already had career highs in points, field goals made, and three pointers made, and rebounds in a single game this year. She's taken her game to a different level. Uh, well, you Murph, the... is that good? <laughs> it's not bad. It's not bad. By the way, that was good enough for honor roll uh, because yeah. we were at UConn's conference. So 
but hey, look, I mean, credit to her to step up with uh, obviously Zakia Saunders' graduation. I mean, uh, she's taken it to a different level, and you're right. I think the women's teams are into a good year, and yeah. they have a shot for second place in the conference, which to me, in, in a lot of ways, is like winning the conference because, well, there's UConn. Yeah. <laughs> well, all that aside, we talk about some a little bit of scheduling shuffling, and here's why. Um, UCF Volleyball, and we're going to wrap up our segment here with this. Um, it, what a year, obviously, it's been for them. They uh, made history um, this Sunday um, on a weekend that was, you know, obviously post-McKenzie Milton and all that for UCF Sports. <clears throat> UCF Volleyball really ended the weekend on a positive note for the program. We know about how good they were on the floor this year, 27-3, and 18-0, and 0, and we were watching. I was down there, and so were you, Murph, at the selection show party that they held um, at Burger U. You're everywhere, U. Murph. You're everywhere, He, he really is. Right. And lo and behold, UCF Volleyball will host the NCAA tournament for the first time in history. They've hosted the AIAW back in the day, but um, according to UCF, they've never hosted an NCAA Volleyball tournament match. Um, the Knights... Um, are placed in a pod with Florida Gulf Coast, uh, who they've played twice, beat them in four the first time um, down in down at the Sunshine State Challenge in Coral Gables, uh, and then beat and then swept them um, at the Volley Knights Invitational earlier this year. Um, FGCU won the A Sun, so UCF will play them a third time this year. Winner of that match plays the winner of Florida and Florida State. The Knolls and the Gators are coming down to Orlando to play at the venue. Here's the schedule. So the first so the first day will be it goes Thursday and Friday. They don't they don't do it like basketball where you have a day off in between. You go Thursday and Friday. Florida and Florida State play 4:30 Thursday. UCF plays Florida Gulf Coast at 7 on Thursday. Yes, you read that right. That is the same exact time as the basketball game. Against Murph, Alabama. you can't be every Murph. Are you gonna be everywhere that yeah. night? Where unfortunately, are you gonna be? we can't. Yo, yeah, I can't be. I, and for that, I will talk about where I'm going to be, especially tomorrow on Wednesday. But for uh, Thursday, I have to commit. I had to commit somewhere, and it's actually going to be volleyball for me. You can't like go, you know. You can't go through that little hallway there. I mean, I can, but I have a job to do, Jeffrey. <laughs> and it's, I'm just saying, like it's right there. No, I'm just kidding. But here you go. UCF UCF women's volleyball would really help me out if it's a three-setter, like 25-15 across the board so I can get across the hall to see the last few minutes of the basketball game. So they have – so that's what we have going on right there on Thursday is sort of that double dip. I would encourage you to go – I would encourage everybody to go to whichever one they want. But (laughs) – Free will. It's free will free will, and everything. However, um, what do you call it? Uh, higher returns with volleyball. And the reason why is because it's obviously smaller, smaller venue. And also, it's an NCAA game. Uh, history uh, taking place at, uh, at UCF um, this weekend. So, uh, by the way, some, pa- some uh, awards to pass out. Todd Dagenet won American Athletic Conference Coach of the Year. By the way, I, I, and I forgot to mention this, the Knights are the number 13 uh, overall seed in the tournament. They only see the top 16 teams. UCF was the number 13 seed. So, um, hey, credit to the committee. Yes. I'm glad they got it right. And 
I uh, was skeptical, and they got it right, and they got UCF right. You can nitpick about the, you know, having the four in-state teams in the same region, but you knew that was going to happen. Uh, that's a stacked regional, by the way, right, Jeff? I mean, that's four teams in the top fifty-one RPI. Yeah, I mean, that is just that's going to be a tough regional to get out. I think whichever team comes out of this regional has a chance to go deep in the tournament because it, it, you, if you get through that, I mean, you're in good shape. Yeah, so I think that's, a, as I called it, the group of death, if you will, as they the call it, death. World Cup regrouped. Yeah, I mean, that's not an easy Florida Gulf Coast. You've said it. That's that's a little nervous. I mean, we talked about UCF Memphis and football. To play a team a third time in a year, I mean, that's going to be tricky. And, you know, I think UCF will be interesting to see if they can play with that calm early on. It's yeah. unfortunate that the UCF match is not at 430. Shame on you, NCAA. Uh, that's all I'll say about that. But, you know, uh, it's that's going to be a stacked regional, and I hope people do take advantage of this because, you know, who knows how often that happens. But to get Florida and Florida State in your backyard, I mean, that atmosphere should be electric. And if UCF, if, would get past Florida Gulf Coast, Jeff, where that Friday night match could be historic, right? Yeah. I mean, it, I, I can't even imagine how many – that might be standing room only and then some, right? Yeah, I mean, it, it'll be tremendous, whichever – team gets through the other side of the bracket. And I'm glad you mentioned if with Florida Gulf Coast. Because oh, it's yes, a big if. Yeah. Because, yes, UCF defeated Florida Gulf Coast twice earlier this year. Florida Gulf Coast lost only four other matches the whole year. They finished, the, they finished their season, or they come into this tournament at 26-6. and six. They were 15-1 and one in the Atlantic Sun Conference. They come in winners of 15 in a row. And the A-Sun has a tournament. So they had to get through the tournament, and they did. They won both of their matches um, <clears throat> to get through, they were the one seed. Uh, knocked off Liberty and then Kennesaw State uh, to get through. So th- yeah. this is a, no, I'm, this I'm, is these Jeff, are two. I'm, there's a there's over 50 wins in that first round match for UCF between a, the Knights and, a, the, and the Eagles. I you could argue based on the RPI that Florida Gulf Coast should be a three seed uh, somewhere else or in that region. I mean, not a four seed. I yeah. mean, that's how stacked that regional is. And so you know, it's going to be a tough match, and hopefully the fans do come out there and support by saying that volley with the five-minute intermission a three-set match to point could be done by like 18 so you have plenty of time on the second half yeah well, yeah maybe listen let's not get ahead of ourselves here let's not get ahead of ourselves here i this is like i said this is the biggest weekend in the history of in the modern history of ucf volleyball to host this to host these four teams or these three teams i should say ucf being the host um and to see, and really, this is uh, in a way, yeah. You're trying to see who gets to the Sweet 16, but this is how you determine uh, who's the best team in the state of Florida. And yeah. uh, and I think that's that's going to be the key, um, you know, to this point. I mean, UCF has had such a good year. Um, I do think that this team really deserves to see a really good crowd out there um, for them. It's a bummer that they can't get that match at 4.30 because then you could have had a doubleheader with basketball. Um, as it is, there should be plenty of uh, there, there should be plenty of UCF fans there. I'm expecting a pretty good crowd um, for the nights for the nightcap, and then and then and then we go to Friday, and then we see what happens on Friday. Who, who UCF plays there, um, and uh, <clears throat> and that'll be across uh, not across from, but after just after the women's basketball game, which is scheduled for five. On Friday, so that'll be um, huge to see. There's some other um, awards to pass out that I wanted to uh, 
um, that I wanted to uh, bring along for you. Obviously, with uh, volleyball season coming to an end, um, we have, uh, by the way, six teams from the American in the postseason. Two bid league this year, Eric Lopez, because Cincinnati got in um, in the tournament as well. And then four others uh, got into the NIVC. So um, lots of uh, lots of teams in the American, six teams from the American playing in the postseason. Postseason awards, um, Todd Dagenet won Coach of the Year in the American. No surprise. Um, <clears throat> it, the uh, Interestingly enough, Player of the Year to Jordan Thompson, um, which I don't think is a real surprise. I mean, that was it. Now, I was – Setter of the Year went to Jay Tinglehoff of Cincinnati. Congratulations to her. Uh, I was a little surprised at Libero of the Year going to Georgia Chivita of Wichita State. I thought that that probably should have gone to Jordan, Jordan Pinkle. Um, she was the heartbeat of the team the entire year. I was a little bit nothing against uh, Georgia Chivita, but um, Jordan Pingle really deserved to have that award. I thought, um, and but McKenna Melville won Freshman of the Year. I think that that was pretty much a no brainer. Um, three Knights made first team All Conference: Christina Fisher, McKenna Melville, and Jordan Pingle. And Melville obviously is a freshman, uh, so that's pretty good. And then on second team, also Anne Marie Watson. Uh, made it uh, made it on there for UCF. By the way, the only um, uh, only three players were unanimous first team All Conference: uh, McKenna Melville, Jordan Thompson, and then uh, Erica Hansel of uh, of Tulane. And Thompson was, by the way, the unanimous Player of the Year in the conference. But um, a lot of awards to pass out to UCF volleyball. Now let's see what they actually do on the floor. Um, we did have the reaction. Um, from UCF there. Um, it, it was fun being at that selection show and seeing um, <clears throat> seeing them see their name on the board and finding out that they were hosting. You know, <clears throat> as much as we love these teams, you know, it's it's been so fun to watch this entire team the whole year. It's, and you kind of touched upon it, Brian, which was like, it's almost like they don't know any better. And, mm-hmm. and, yeah. and to see and to see what they've achieved to this point um, has been truly remarkable. And we'll see how they deal with the success going forward in this uh, in this upcoming match against Florida Gulf Coast. So um, this yeah. should be a lo- this will be a lot of fun. I know you're going to be there, and I'm going to be there, and I think Elo, you're going to try yeah. to be there too, right? It's a party. Oh, it's a big party. It's a big party. It's going to yeah. be out there, and uh, we'll hope for the best there, and hope for a fun, the fun, fun. That's going to be a heck of a nice three days, right? I mean, little men's hoops against Alabama. Women's basketball, you got uh, NCAA tournament volleyball, and then, oh, by the way, the American Conference Football Championship. You realize this fall, we've now hosted the men's soccer championships Mm -hmm. in in the the American Conference, won a regular season title in men's soccer and volleyball. We're hosting the NCAA tournament in volleyball, and we're hosting the American Conference Championship in football. That's a nice fall to have. Not bad. Not bad. I don't know how you follow that up in the spring. (laughs) So. So a lot there, of I mean, pressure, a lot of pressure on uh, UCF baseball. Yeah, a lot of pressure on baseball, <laughs> softball, track. You know, yes. about, you notice Murph just brought baseball out. I mean, my goodness, Murph. Just Look, we gotta start. We got a guy. I'm getting the itch. I'm getting itching. I well, mean, we just, gotta get going you, here. You and Ian McDougal were talking about at the volleyball <laughs> at, at the volleyball selection party about how you know. It, we, I we really got a crunch now for baseball prep, and you were like, "Yeah, me too." I'm like, and I'm standing there. I'm like, "Dude, it is three days after Thanksgiving. 
Do you know <laughs> Josh Donaldson is now playing on the Braves? Is that kind of nuts? Would you sign him for $23 million? Can we talk about this? Did you Maybe know I, that uh, Justin Holman uh, is with the Atlanta Legends? <laughs> did you know? <laughs> yeah, so, I did. <laughs> so, that, so yeah, there's that. All right, we're going to finish up here on the Black well, and Gold Banneret podcast. Um, we got a lot coming up in the American Athletic Conference uh, championship game. Obviously, we're all pretty much going to be there in some capacity. Um, Eric, I'll start with you. What do you have on tap and what do you have going on on the site right now? Uh, first, yeah, on the site, obviously you got the up. They just wrote about the TV ratings, UCF South Florida, the second most watched, uh, Warren I four, uh, you could break, I break down the numbers on how they did. And, uh, interesting stat boys, you realize since 2012, and this is part of this great table that Jeff has on the black and go UCF football games have drawn over a million viewers 19 times since 2012, mm-hmm. right? Eight of them have happened in the last two seasons. Yeah. I mean, that and just goes pro- to show you that yeah. the, the power of that, I mean, I know we let, people like to rag on ESPN and the mothership and all that, but, man, when you're UCF and you get on that big stage, that's a lot of eyeballs looking at the campus and looking at the team. Yeah, college game day had over a million eight. Uh, it's now the fourth most watched game day of the season. The Michigan Ohio State one was the we just went over two million viewers. But so it's been a lot of fun, and that's what really that's what I want to say to everybody. Enjoy this. I mean, obviously, our thoughts and prayers are with the Milton family yep. and uh, Mackenzie. Let's let's uh, from all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, uh, thoughts and prayers. I think that's the most important thing. I know Murph has talked to him really at the last two years, probably as frequent as just about anybody with the media talks and things like that. And we just hope for the best for him. And that's why I say to people, let you know, just take the don't take this stuff for granted. Don't take it too seriously. Enjoy the, the this thing and rally this team and support this team in, in all sports, but especially this weekend and in football and in volleyball. And that's let's uh, these student athletes deserve the support because they, they put it on the line in a lot of ways. They, they do a lot with their students, with it going to classes, dealing with academics, uh, trying to figure out who they are as a human being. And then now also playing football. And we forget that we tend to forget that, that these are 17 to 22 year olds. So I just want to say that I think for uh, everybody there and their thoughts to the Milton family and uh, hope for the best for them as somebody who has gone through his own family, uh, you know, health issues uh, currently and recently in current. Uh, that's my thoughts on that. Amen. Amen to that. Um, and of course, you know, we wanted to, you know, pass you along, like any sort of word that we get on McKenzie, we'll try and, Definitely pass that along to you because we know that a lot of people are pulling for him. And I don't know if Mackenzie's listening to this to this podcast. In fact, I just flat out doubt it. I mean, why? You know, why? I don't know. Why he's, listen to us clowns? A, but um, he might be listening to Earth. I don't think he's listening to us. <laughs> but if he's, <laughs> but if he is, you know, we're, you know, uh, we're thinking of him. And uh, um, and yeah, I mean, it's it, it was it was tough to watch. It's it, it's it's the kind of thing that you never hope you hope you never see on a football field. Unfortunately. It happens way too frequently. Well, once is too frequently, that kind of an injury. But um, Murph, I know you have a lot of stuff on tap that you're keeping an eye on uh, and that you'll be doing alongside with us. What will you be up to this week? Yeah, I mean, and I, I also want to echo everything you guys have said. McKenzie's a really great kid. We've seen the things online about it's not just about him. He knows it's about the fans and about reaching back to the community. And we've seen that and what he's done for kids who look up to him. Um, he really is a really, really nice person, along with a really great football, play- great football player. So um, it's it's just unfortunate, and uh, obviously uh, we hope for the best. Um, and now, as I transition to just talking about myself, 
uh, here is like, what there's, I'm there's doing. No, there's no way it's to get through no that way. segue. There's no there's way. There's no way to get through that segue smoothly. But it really is. Let's just no acknowledge segue. that. Up, let's just acknowledge that up front, guys. <laughs> let's just concentrate for a minute on me, uh, as I as I as I love to do, as you know this. Uh, he said he said sarcastically uh, that Wednesday is here is my day. Went to well, if you're listening to this, it's probably now today, Wednesday. But here's what I'm going to do Wednesday. Uh, there's a football press conference at 10:45, as there usually is. Uh, hopefully, we get to talk to the quarterbacks. We're not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Uh, and then from there, I'll go to basketball because basketball has media availability at 11:30. I will not be at the game on Thursday as press, but I will be there at least talking to Coach uh, Dawkins and a couple of the players uh, about the game and about how that was changed and whatever, whatnot. At 1:15, because I am covering the volleyball match, I'll be going to the Florida Gulf Coast press conference uh, because wow. all four teams. Oh, <laughs> Eric, Eric, oh, I need man. you. I need you to rein it in, bud. You really are everywhere. Go ahead. So I'm going to that because I need to talk to them, you know, and get something from them for this, you know, the story I'm going to write on the on the, on the match uh, at, and that's at one fifteen, and then at two o'clock I have to get a wheelchair fixed which is sort of important to my life. And then I will come back from that to back to UCF. That's in Longwood. I'll come back to UCF because at 4.30, I have talked to UCF women's volleyball and Coach Dash Day and some players uh, as they hold their own NCAA press conference at about 4.30, 4.45. And then I will leave there and come all the way back, back downtown to Camping World Stadium where uh, as a member of Florida Citrus Sports, we have our final committee meeting of the year, and oh. this is the meeting in which we will most likely select the teams uh, we think will be best positioned or who should be part of the uh, Camping World Bowl and the Citrus Bowl. And no, I can't tell you what we think. Come on, Murph. You're gonna, come on. UCF's going there, aren't they? You're going to pick us, aren't you, if we don't win, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Look at that, uh, man. So anyway, I've got yeah. – so that, that – that's football, basketball, then volleyball, and wow. then and more, then more volleyball, and then bat, and then football. I'm so a little, good. I'm a little disappointed. You don't have a great love lady interview snuck in there. I really need to squeeze like a love lady interview into like that three o'clock window. I have nothing in between like three and four. And why can't I just talk to like Nick Audi, the new pitching coach? Can I get him to back out? Wow. Oh man. Well, we do have a lot coming up for you. We will have a uh, live game thread as well for you from the American Athletic Conference Football Championship on Saturday. <clears throat> Excuse me. Most likely have one up there for you from volleyball uh, as well. So much to follow. Make sure you follow us on Twitter at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow us individually at Spokes underscore Murphy, Eric Lopez Elo, and yours truly at Jeff underscore Sharon, and also on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash black and gold Banneret. Subscribe to this podcast if you don't already on Google Play. Uh, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Make sure you leave us a rating, leave us a comment, tell us how we're doing, uh, and hit us up at blackandgoldbanneret.com where we are SB Nation's home for UCF Sports. So much to go through this the rest of this week. We wanted to get this edition out to you early because, like we said, it's going to be a busy, busy weekend well, and clearly for all Merck of us. wasn't going to be available on Wednesday. I mean, holy I know, forget about Wednesday's it. done. For all of us here at Black and Gold Banneret, thanks for listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We'll catch you starting Thursday for volleyball 
uh, as UCF starts the NCAA tournament, and then it's basketball and football after that. What a weekend we have coming for UCF. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to you later on this weekend.